Good morning. My name's Reed Connor. I'm uh, Kathy and Fitz's uh, better-looking son, and uh, here to help out today. Uh, welcome to First Prez. Um, I've been a member here since I was in about middle school when we first got to this church. And uh, if you're new here, welcome. We're glad to have you. If you've been here before, welcome back. Um, if you haven't filled out a Connect card, either online or in the pew, please do so. Um, there's a lot of ways to connect. Life groups, I'm a leader of one of those. It's fantastic. I uh, highly recommend that. And um, we're really glad you're here. We hope you uh, enjoy yourself and uh, feel like you belong. Thanks. All right. This Sunday looks a little bit different. Um, uh, we've got some, some people quarantining, and so we want to make sure that we keep them in our prayers. Um, and next week, we're going to be back to normal. So just letting you all know kind of what's going on. Um, I want to start with prayer this morning and get our, our hearts right, and then we'll sing after that. So let's pray. Dear God, we come to you, we thank you for Sunday, a day of rest, a day to worship you and to recenter. God, thank you that you give us this time where we can come together and be reminded how much we need you in our lives. God, it's a crazy world we're living in, and we need you, we need your presence. God, we need each other. Uh, help us to encourage one another as we walk this road together with you. I specifically lift up some people on our prayer request list. We pray for Giselle Ponce, her cousin who passed away five years ago, Arturo, and they are uh, honoring his life and thanking you for him today. Lord, we lift up Joanne Harvey and ask that you would just um, help her in her rehab. She's recovering from COVID. And we lift up Jim Canale, who's recovering really well from surgery and his recent good news from scans. We give you praise for that information. God, thank you for um, how you're going to speak to us this morning. God, help us to focus on you right now and just put everything in our week behind. And Lord, thank you for a chance to gather and to celebrate the gift of life you give us. And we thank you for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand. Sing loud today, okay? Here we go. People come together, strange as neighbors, our blood is one. Children, generations, every nation of kingdom come. Don't let your heart be troubled. Hold your head up high, don't fear no evil. Fix your eyes on this one truth. God is madly in love with you. So take courage, hold on, be strong. Remember where our help comes from.
ye heavens, let the praise go up as the walls come down. All creation, everything with breath, repeat the sound. All his children, clean hands, pure hearts, good grace, good God. His name is Jesus. So sing that out. Hey, good morning, everyone. Um, I'm Kristen Connor, and I'm actually Reed's sister-in-law. We all got recruited this morning <laughs> to help out. Um, I'm actually an elder here at First Pres and um, chair of the finance committee. I've been doing that for a really long time. If anyone actually would like to join our committee, please come on over. Um, so just wanted to talk to you all about a couple things going on around here. Um, the first thing is talking about Lent. Um, obviously, Lent is a special season when we use this time to get kind of our hearts ready for um, the cross and just for Easter. Um, we created a guide for Lent, so every week we're asking everyone to kind of give up something. And um, this week we're asking everyone to give up self-focus. And just ask God to make you aware of all the areas that you're focusing more on your needs above God and others. And I just know personally this will be awesome. Um, becoming a wife and um, getting married I think forces you to become less self-focused. But I can definitely still see this tendency popping up in my life. So um, personally I think this will be a great week. Um, the next thing is... Wanted to talk about um, Vacation Bible School, VBS. Um, it's going to be July 12th through the 16th. And Rachel who Godin, who's our children's director, will be opening up registration starting tomorrow. So just wanted to let you all know you need to sign up quickly because it fills up super fast. Um, and just wanted to say my oldest son, Walt, who's only five and a half, um, he barely made the cutoff in 2019. And so he was able to go and just had an awesome time, and um, I got recruited and volunteered um, as one of the station leaders, and I just got to see firsthand um, what Rachel and her team does, and they work tirelessly for months to prepare. I mean, this is like Rachel's it, it, Broadway. It's just, it's amazing. They put so much work into it, and it's just really awesome to see how just our kids learn more about Jesus and and all of that, and I think it's a great week also, um, great time that you could invite uh, maybe some of your friends who aren't plugged in here. Um, I mean, it, honestly, it's a really cheap summer camp, um, so you could kind of <laughs> um, sell it that way. Um, so <laughs> the last thing is I'm going to talk about just giving back to God. Um, 
And just about 10 years ago, um, God just really convicted my husband and I to start tithing. Um, so that means 10% off the top. Um, and it was really hard, to be honest. I mean, 10% can feel like a lot. But we have just seen so many blessings um, in our life, not only financially, but just personally, um, above and beyond what we could have imagined. And um, so we're in, I guess, year 11 of tithing. And um, yeah, it's just been amazing. So, and we're teaching our children about it. Um, you know, Walt and Reese, they're three and five. So, you know, they're earning 25 cents to do things. But um, we're having them tied 10% and they really don't like it and they don't understand the concept. But we're hoping we're planting the seeds, you know, to hopefully someday that they'll understand and want to do that on their own as an adult. Um, so here's five ways that y'all can give to um, us and just enable God to show you how y'all can be generous. And I just wanted to say giving has been a game changer for our family. And I just really hope that um, y'all would ask the Lord um, how you can be generous with what he's given you. Stand back up and worship. the house lights here. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one that could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you.
This be our prayer to you, God. Falling on my knees in worship, giving you all I am to seek your face. Lord, all I am is yours. Bye. 
voice out. So I call, you answered, and you came to my rescue, and now I want to be where you That line, I called and you answered. I want to be where you are. I, I didn't know exactly, I'll be honest, when I walked over there a few minutes ago, exactly what I was going to say when I stood up here. But they just told me how to start. That I called and he answered. And I just want to be where Jesus is. That's, that, I could leave now. Like, that's awesome. What a great way to start this, this little time. My name is Bryce, uh, Bryce Lynn. I'm uh, the director of student ministries here. And uh, I get to work with, with students, kind of six through whatever grades. And um, I get to be the one standing here. But there's an extraordinary team of people who are kind of propping me up this morning. Thank you, you guys, for stepping in at the, the last second. And we obviously, we all know we have extraordinary leaders in Fitz and Kathy Connor. And they... they prepare us and they give us every resource we could ever need to make sure that all things are well. And there are people that you'll never see that are behind things, that are making all these things happen, and they're all volunteers, and they're all amazing, and I'm grateful to all of you because you all jumped in in the last minute, so thank you. Um, I just get to say whether you're right here in person or whether you're with us online, welcome home. I love that phrase, welcome home, that this is God's house, and he tells us that in his house there are many rooms, and if it were not so, he would not say so. And so there is a place for you in God's house. There is a place for me in God's house, and I'm grateful for every time we get to come into this space and share it together and say, ah, it's our place, it's our home. So we've been in this season here for a little bit where we're, we're looking at real contentment. We're, we're in the book of Philippians. And uh, we're, we're not just walking through it as a group, we're also reading it together. And so you'll see up here that for the next coming week, these are the verses that we would love for you to, to read. And not just read, but read out loud. We're really encouraging people to read this book out loud. It was written as a letter to be read out loud to people. So read it out loud, even if it's just to yourself. I will tell you that my scriptures, the things I'm going to talk about today, are way out of sequence. So I, I'm probably not going to say things that you've been thinking all week, and I apologize in advance for that. And I'm also really aware that what I'm about to dive into could be like 12 messages, and I'm going to squeeze them all into the next little bit of time. I'm aware that it's a lot, and it's exciting, though, 
See, we've been, like I said, on this thing, and we're uh, looking through this book of Philippians, and the book of Philippians really is a journey. There's, there's a lot of things to cover. There's a lot of ideas. There's a lot of passion from Paul. There's a lot of these things that come together, and in order to understand them, I ha- I'm a very visual person. And so I have to picture things. I have to actually kind of create a word picture or something in my mind, or I can't focus. And so I was thinking about journeys, and journeys for me, the the consummate journey is a road trip, right? We've all been on one, um, whether we were voluntarily on that road trip, or you were a little kid and you got strapped in and you got taken somewhere on a road trip. You went on one, and almost exactly four years ago was the last time I was really on a road trip. I had a newborn daughter, I mean super newborn daughter, uh, at that time 10-year-old and a 7-year-old, two dogs, a van, and my expedition, and we headed north up I-45 out of Houston, Texas to hit I-10 to turn right and head east, and our only goal, the only thing we knew was there was an address that none of us had really been to in Tampa, Florida, that we had a goal, that's where we were headed. Day one, all we had to do was get to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. That's all we wanted to do was get from Houston, Texas to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And day two could take care of day two, but we just had to get there was Baton Rouge. And I'll I'll bet that you all know the number one question that was asked all the way through that was, are we there yet? Right? Are we there yet is the consummate question of the road trip. And then we all have the same answer, right? No, not yet. We're not there. Just a little bit further. Just hang on. And, you know, sometimes if you're a real smart parent, maybe you're better than me, you break it up. And you're like, if we can just get to to that one little town, we know there's a gas station or a playground or whatever. And we didn't do that. We were just like, we have to move to Florida now. So we took a road trip. We were welcomed beautifully, but we knew what our goal was. We had to get to Tampa. A few years prior to that, I do believe it was 2010, um, Keely, my wife, um, and I were not maybe in our best season of marriage, if I'm honest. Um, we were struggling. We were arguing a lot. We were frustrated with each other. I was working a ton. I was never home. And so when we were together, it was kind of contentious. And um, we decided we needed designated time together. So what do you do? You take a road trip, right? Some lovely people took our children. And at the time, we were living in London, England. And we decided we needed to drive from London to Inverness, Scotland. Those two places are not close together, not even slightly close together. It's about a 14-hour drive. England's bigger than you think it is, so it's a long way. And I promise you, as you're going up the A1, it literally, there's no turns. It's just go north. And there's a time when you start to believe that you're going to crest the top of planet Earth. You've been going north that long. You think there's got to be a time when you're going over like a roller coaster. Like at some point, Scotland starts to dip is what you think. And no matter how beautiful Scotland is, and I would tell you that my wife and I would both say it is the most beautiful place on earth. It is our favorite country, our favorite place. But still, you start to check your watch and your GPS, and you're like, there's got to be that are we—we've got to have gotten there, right? Like, good night. Like, are we there yet? And it's still, no, not yet. And when I was a little boy, about—I think I was about 10 years old, Christmas Eve— my dad is a, is a pastor, as I've shared with some of you before, and on Christmas Eve, after the 11 o'clock service, they pack my sister and I up in the car, and again, we head north up I-35 through the middle of the country. We were living in Oklahoma City, and when all of my extended families to, to now um, live in Indiana. So the, the dream was, the goal was, 
we were going to go surprise everyone on Christmas morning. No warning. We told nobody. We were going to go knock on doors and say, Merry Christmas to my aunts and uncles and cousins. Even through the night, my sister and I, who should have been asleep or staring at the stars, going, Mom and Dad, are we there yet? No, guys, we're not. See, we are about to jump into this passage here where Paul's going to ask both, are we there yet, and give us an answer. But you don't go on a road trip, you don't go on any kind of trip without making a plan first, right? Without actually knowing what the goal is, what that uh, end destination might be. And so in this case, I've been assigned Philippians 3, if you want to look on your phone or look at whatever, we're going to be in Philippians 3 verses 12 to 21. But before you get on the trip, before you start to take your journey, you have to know what the final destination is. And the final destination, Paul actually tells us in advance in verses 10 and 11. And so I'm going to read these out. He says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one day, one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Paul tells us this is where he's headed. This is what he wants. This is the goal. The road trip is headed towards knowing Jesus better and experiencing power from him, and suffering with him, and then experiencing a resurrection from the dead. He says, this is what I want. Now, if you're on this road trip and you get in the car, maybe you took children and you had to put those children in a car seat. And inevitably, you're in the car and you know you're making progress, even if it doesn't feel like it, but you're not moving, are you? You feel like, I'm just sitting here. I'm kind of bored. I'm frustrated. I feel like things are moving past me, but I'm just sitting here, right? And my children, all three of them, Cooper and Milo and Bevan, all three at one time would say, my mom, I'm stuck. And to every one of my children, my wife leans back and says, stuck is safe. Be where you are. You're in the best place for you. Even when it feels like your life is just kind of zooming past you and you're like, I know I'm making progress, even though I feel like I'm stuck. Something's got to be happening. God says, hey, guess what? You're in the right place for you. Stuck is safe. So, again, we're, we're on a journey. Now we're going to jump into the actual uh, passage that I have for today, and we're going to start in verse 12, and we're going to walk really slowly through this, and I promise we're going to get to the end. But this is what it says. He's already told us the destination. He wants to know Christ and experience mighty power and suffer with Jesus and experience the resurrection. But then he says this in verse 12. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. So he's given us the destination, but then he's given us the, but we're not there yet. <laughs> hey, we're, we're on a journey. We're in this thing together, but we're just not there. I'm trying to tell you, even though I'm your leader, I know we're not there yet. So I've told you guys before, some of you who have heard me speak, that I, I ran. I ran far and fast in high school, middle school, and before. Um, I, I don't know what that really says about me, but I love to run. And um, I coached track and field. After I finished running, I coached track and field for about 10 years. I don't currently, but there are things about track that I actually don't like very much. I'm a cross-country guy. I like to be out. I want to know where I start. I want there to be kind of one big loop, and I know where I finish. 
right? Track and field, a lot of people will say, I don't want to do that. It's just turning left, right? It's just, and I go again, and I go again, and I have to agree with them. One of the things that's frustrating in the journey with Jesus, in the journey called life, and in track and field, is if you were like me, and you ran multiple races, I ran the 4 by 800, so that's two laps. Another 800, two more laps. I ran the 1600, four more laps. And the 3200 meter, eight more laps. In any given competition, I would do all of that. Not one of them, but all of them. So it's a lot of trips around. And to me, one of the most frustrating things about track and field is the destination is constantly close, but you're never there. You're like, I feel like I know where I'm going, and I just passed it again, and yet here I am. It's so frustrating. You're like, oh my gosh. And you know what? Life can be that way too. As a mom, as a dad, you're like, I, I think I know where I, I need my kids to get, and we get super close, and we can see the destination, and duh, we just missed it. We're just slightly off. And it gets frustrating. But additionally, if you watch distance runners, especially those, if you're looking at like the Olympic level or that real high level of things, you start to see that there's a different energy in each lap, right? They don't just go out and jog four times, right? There's a certain way you run lap one. And if you do that right, then you need this new bag of energy to take you into lap two. And then you, if you run lap three right, then lap four, if you're running the mile, then you got to have something left over to just go for it, right? So it's not just the same pace all the time. It varies. And you know what? Life looks that way, doesn't it? In our time with Jesus, sometimes you're like, I am off and I am going and I can't wait and stay out of my way. And then you're like, that lap was more than maybe I could have handled. Maybe I need to dial it back a little bit. And then you're like, wait, wait, but, but, but everything that I, I thought I was gaining on, now it's getting away from me, so i got to catch up again. And, and we're always trying to gauge, am I going too fast for the people around me? Am I going too slow for my own life? What is going on? And Paul says, hey, we're, we're all going to get there. See, there's this idea for me that each lap requires its own energy. Each day requires its own grace and its own mercy. See, yesterday's grace is not sufficient for today's challenges. Because we would all have a tendency to say, hey, you know what? Yesterday was a mountaintop day. Yesterday was incredible. I could not believe how close I felt to yesterday. Or to Jesus yesterday. But today starts over. Today is a new lap. Today is a new trip. Because if we can take those mountaintop moments and drag them into today from yesterday, we can also take the valley. And yesterday's junk has no business in today. We have fresh grace and fresh mercy. And our God stands in the way and he puts up his hand and he goes, not today. That was tough yesterday, but I got you today. So we're going to keep kind of walking along here so we know that he's not quite there says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward at what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. First of all, there is a race, there is a prize, and there is a Jesus. That's so great. He says, there's a prize for you. I don't know, maybe some of you are extrinsically motivated like me, and you're like, I like prizes. That sounds great. I'll just keep going, right? Like, like I, I, is it candy? 
Is it cake? I like those things. I will keep going to get those, whatever those things might be. But in order to get there, he says that he presses, right? He has to press and focus and look and reach. These are active words. We say when you begin a life with Jesus that all you have to do is receive. And that is 100% true. But there comes time in our journey with Jesus when we decide, I know what my destination is. I'm clear on the journey, like where I'm headed. I want to know Christ better. I want to experience his power now. I recognize that if I'm experiencing his power, I'm probably going to have some opposition, and that may bring suffering. But in the end, I can resurrect. I can be closer to him. And that can take work. When you know where the end goal is, you go, I'm worthy and I'm willing to strive for it. But it takes work. But work takes time and process. And most of us don't like process. We like results, don't we? We like finish lines. We're not much for even the bell lap. That last one, we're like, one more. It's exhausting. But we have to have an eye towards process equaling time and work. It's important. And in order to be really practical about what Paul is saying here, it comes down to two questions that I want to challenge us with over and over and over again. The way to bring those great messages, those awesome moments in life group, that fantastic podcast you listened to or that book that you read, whatever it might be, that article that you saw, it all goes in here and you go, oh wow, that's a game changer. But two questions take it from your head to your heart to your hands. How and when? How am I going to take whatever that nugget is and put it into practice? And when am I going to do that? See, we calendar everything. I'm looking at a room. I'm talking to my friends online that are maxed out. We calendar our social life. We calendar how we get our kids all the places that we need to be. We even, if you're real granular and you get all the way into the weeds, maybe you even, like some of my friends, you calendar what you're having for dinner so there's a plan and you don't have to ask each other at 3 o'clock in the afternoon what's for dinner. Right? Why would we not make a plan to get to a destination that says we get to know Christ, experience his power, suffer with him, and experience the resurrection? You've got to make a plan you got to say, how will I take those things that God says to me and put them into my heart and then from my heart into my hands and put them into the world? Otherwise, it's a wasted hour that you were listening. It might have been a great walk or run that you took while you were listening to the podcast or this thing. You might feel really close to the people around you, but the message from the Lord is, hey, go from here to here to here. Do something significant. See, we're asking how and when slightly differently at my house. Some of you would know, especially if you're watching us on social media right now, we've had what you might call a plumbing emergency at my house. Uh, we had sewage, it's a nasty word, um, back up into our bathtub about two weeks ago. As a result, um, plumbers have come into my home with legit jackhammers, and they have dug three-foot trenches through the center of my foundation. My home. My safe place. My refuge. There's now a hole or a crack in my safe place. And you start to ask the question, how 
did this happen? And when is it going to be over? Right? Like, I don't presume that all of you would have experienced what it's like to have a trench dug in the middle of your house. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I'll bet relationally you've gotten to a place where that safe friend and you had a fissure in your relationship. And you said, how do we make it better? And when do we make those steps to restoration? It may be that you say financially there was a crack during COVID and now we've got to figure out how we're going to fill it up and when we're going to take those steps. It may be the case that you have something, an illness, something going on in your life and you go, how are we going to fix it and when is God going to show up because it's bigger than we can handle. How and when are we going to say yes to God, take it from here, move it from here, and put it out there. See, our, our key verse, um, Paul tells us in Philippians 12, or 4, 12 and 13, this is pretty big. He says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. It's contentment in the mess. It's contentment feeling stuck. It's, con it's contentment when you can see the end line, but you don't seem to get there. You say, God's still good, even though I feel like I'm just making lap after lap. I know there's cracks in the middle of my foundation right now, but God is still good. He still says I'm enough. He still says he loves me. He still says we're going to make his way through. I don't know how. I feel stuck in the car, but there's obvious progress being made. So praise to him, not me, because I definitely don't have anything to do with it. That's what he's saying to these people in Philippi. So what comes next? Verse 15, he says, this is one of my favorite parts. He says, let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. It's kind of like, if you disagree with me, God's going to tell you to agree with me. Like, I've never really been able to say that, like, other than maybe to my children. We're like, I know I'm right. And if you choose to disagree, God's going to prove I'm right. Like, that just doesn't happen very often. But that's what he says, right? But what is he saying that the spiritually mature agree on? You have to be clear about what you're agreeing on. And he, he wants us to agree on the destination. If all of us got in our cars right now and we did not agree on the destination, we'd all be lost. Every one of us. If we didn't stack hands or leave a little gap because you're not supposed to touch each other, whatever, if you didn't say, we're all headed in this direction, this way, and this time, and this is when we're supposed to be there, we all go, poof. And you're going to go, God, where am I supposed to be? And he's going to go, oh, right, by the way, you should have agreed with the guy at the beginning. Right? So that's where we're at. Paul says, hey, we have a destination. Let's agree on that destination, and let's go there together. Now, what does he say next? He says, we've got to hold on to the progress we've already made. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn, the, learn from those who follow our example. See, this one's interesting to me because earlier it said that I'm supposed to forget the past, but now it says that I'm supposed to hold on to my progress. Right? That's a little bit confusing. But I think we've already covered it in a lot of ways because he says, hey, you know what? You, you got to a mountaintop moment yesterday. You can remember it, and it can encourage you moving forward, but you don't need to pull from its power into today. He's saying, you know what? Be encouraged that you walked through that valley and you made it to today, but you can leave the valley behind. You've made progress, but you don't need it to move forward. 
there's plenty of stuff in our lives that you're like, man, I'm glad I walked through that, and it's back there. I don't need that anymore. He's saying, hold on, know what's going on, but hold on a little loosely. Say, hey, I know that that challenge was a mess. That diagnosis messed me up. That result was terrible. That relationship fell apart yesterday. Today, new steps, new grace, new mercy. Lamentations 3.23 says that God gives us new mercy every day. Hold on to that. But I also, when we think about leaving things in the past, there's like a caveat. There's a special piece of this that, you know, it makes us think, maybe if you're like me, you think God should tell me something brand new every single day. The Bible never says that. He never says, I'm going to give you fresh revelation every single day. He says, I'm going to give you grace, and I'm going to give you mercy to get through the day. But there are days, my friends, when if you're like me, he goes, I already told you how to get through this. When are you going to put it into action, and how are you going to do it to make a difference in this situation? How and when? So then, we move on just a little bit further. We're almost there. We're almost to this really cool conclusion. He now says, For I have told you often before, and I say again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things. They bring about life, or they brag about life only here on earth. See, we know because in 1 Corinthians 5, 12, he says it's not his responsibility to judge people who are not within the family of faith, right? He's talking about people within the family of faith. This is a letter Paul wrote from prison. He's in chains. We have in this book a, a story or an account of him singing and winning people for Christ. But the thing that makes him cry, the thing that he's saying, I'm saying it over and over and no one's listening— is there are people amongst us who say they love God, but they're living as though they're enemies of the cross of Christ. That's what brings Paul to tears in the midst of incarceration. That's a big deal. See, Craig Groeschel, the pastor of Life Church in Oklahoma City, he wrote this book, and he called it The Christian Atheist. It's living a life as if God exists, but acting as though he doesn't. It's saying, I gave my life to Jesus, but all the decisions are mine. That's what's making Paul cry. They have people going, yep, I had that salvation moment. Yep, I know God is good. Praise God. I love him. He's awesome. But when push comes to shove, who writes the check? Me. Who's going to make the decision about the next thing that needs to come up? Me. Hey, we, we need to make a big decision as a family. Who's going to do that? Me. It's about me, not about him. And that might be a situation where you go, hey, you know what, God, I believed at one time that I was going to trust you, and I'm grateful for what you did in my finances in the past, but the next decision's mine. God, I'm so grateful that you gave me a wife or a husband to love, and you know what, how I'm going to treat them, that's up to me. You know what, my, my children, thank you, they're a gift from you, but how I'm going to raise them, that's my call. I'm their dad. We live this way practically all the time. Most conversations that you have, even if that conversation is just with yourself, is with a Christian atheist. It happens all the time. And it, this is what drew 
fall to tears. So, before we get to the very end, just to recap so that we know how far we've come, Paul set a destination for our journey. He said, I want to know Jesus. I want to experience his power. I want to suffer with him, and I want to experience his resurrection one way or another. I want that. And then he said, and I want you to agree with me that that is the destination. And there's going to be times, he says, where you feel stuck. There's going to be times when you're going, God, seriously, are we there yet? And he says, not yet. We have not reached full maturity. We're not quite there. You're going to go, I've been close to that daggum destination so many times, I don't even want to go there anymore. I know where it is. I just seem to miss it, just ever so slightly. But when we're spiritually mature, we begin to agree with God of what the destination really is so we don't get lost anymore. And then we stop living a life of Christian atheism. So this is how he ends, and of course it ends with great news. It says, but, after all that, but we are citizens of heaven. Where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. Plot twist. This was not a journey away from home. This was a journey home. The journey to love Jesus and to experience his power and to live in his resurrection is a trip home. It's where we're supposed to be headed. It's not running away from our house to an adventure. The adventure's at home. We're citizens of heaven. We get to live with Jesus. And we're eagerly awaiting to... For him to return as our Savior. And all that stuff that we just said goes wrong along the way. He's going to make it right. It says in verse 21, He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own. Our body like Jesus? Are you kidding me? That's sweet. I want a body like Jesus. I mean, look at this, right? Like, I'm, I'm little. So I, if we can get a good big Jesus body, that sounds awesome. I want that. But our glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. We have been on a journey, my friends. We knew the destination. We saw that some of the points and places along the way are difficult. But we made progress, even when we felt stuck. There were moments, and there's going to be moments, when you feel really close to that destination. You might go somewhere, you might go to a retreat, you might have that conversation, you might have a great worship service, you might be in your life group, and you go, I'm so close to the destination today. I feel like I know Jesus well today, and I'm receiving his power today. And he says, that's great for today. Now come back to the source, and let's do it again tomorrow, and do it again tomorrow. And when we get tired of going around and around, that's when Jesus shows up. And he says, like I said at the beginning, welcome home. Pray with me. God, you're outstanding. You allow us to experience all the pieces of the journey of life. The highs and the lows, the mountains and the valleys, the good, the bad, all the different laps. But God, you say, I'm enough for all of it. I'm going to be there with you. In all of it. I'm going to say to you that you are worthy, that you matter. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to say, guess what? You're a citizen of heaven, and in my house there are many rooms, and there is a space for you in my house. There's a space for you and your family. Just come and be with me. Welcome home.
God, as we leave this place, I beg you that the thing that resonates in our hearts is how are we going to take the things you've already taught us and put them into practice? And when are we going to get started? Jesus, thank you so much for being there along the way. Thank you so much for encouraging us. Thank you so much for your word, but mostly thank you for your death and resurrection and the new life that it brings to each of us. And God, for those in this space and those online who need to be encouraged right now, God, I pray that you would pound on the door of their heart and say, hey, I'm here. I know you feel stuck. I know that it seems like the world is passing you by, but I promise you're making progress, my daughter or my son. I know it's true. When you feel like the laps keep adding up, I'm there at the finish line. My arms are wide open. Welcome home. Amen. Have a great week, church.